ESPN. The following is a presentation of Cover Your Assets and is offered by Rooker Financial Coaching and Consulting. You're trying to build your income, your business, your life. Challenges are all around you. It seems so overwhelming. People are depending on you. Who do you listen to? Where can you go to find honest, useful information? Todd Rooker. For decades, Todd Rooker has been teaching professional education to attorneys, CPAs, bankers, and financial advisors. Rooker Financial Consulting offers advice and coaching to consumers, business owners, and financial professionals on every topic imaginable. If you truly want to succeed, sit back and find out how to cover and build your assets. Here's nationally renowned speaker and expert getting you on the path to financial strength and wealth, Todd Rooker. you doing out there? Oh, a little delay. How you doing out there this morning? Uh, another positive episode of Cover Your Assets. We are all about money, finance, success uh, in life in general. And uh, the topic this morning is one that uh, I talk about often, frequently with clients. Uh, and it is because uh, one, it has the capacity to do more in a shorter period of time, which to a lot of people they perceive as more risk, not necessarily so. Uh, and it is also because you've got a lot of people who uh, want to try to catch up uh, in terms of their their net worth or maybe their plans for retirement down the road. Uh, maybe they have uh, not not earned the money that they had hoped uh, to have those dollars to save and put away. Maybe they were more interested in having more lifestyle and as a result, spending more money on that rather than putting any money away. Certainly understand and know that side of things very well. And or they've paid for their kids college and they've done a lot of things or maybe something's just really gone wrong in their lives. Businesses failed, divorce, illness, something like that. So, you know, this show is about investing and investing in real estate. Now, I hear frequently from people that that they perceive that as being risky. And I'm going to say this to you, and it is something that I have not said years ago when I was in that paper investment world. And the reason is very simple, because your goal is to have folks invest uh, their retirement dollars, their dollars above and beyond that. Maybe they're doing a, uh, a traditional contribution into their 401k, 403b, what have you. Maybe they're, we're going to do a Roth outside of that. Maybe we're just going to do straight up investments outside of that. But at the end of the day, when you're in that world, your goal is to build assets under management. Um, and that that is your business. And to that degree, you're certainly a salesperson. Real estate doesn't fit into that bucket. And it doesn't fit into that bucket uh, in Wall Street, unless we're talking about real estate investment trusts. And then, of course, then it does. But other than that, uh, you investing in duplexes or apartment buildings or uh, commercial property is not something that Wall Street is going to advocate and thereby the advisors who manage investments locally uh, aren't either. But that doesn't make it bad and that doesn't make it risky, even though you might be led to believe that. Uh, the reality is that you have hard assets collateralizing those investments, which makes it, in my mind, infinitely safer uh, if safety is your greatest concern. 
But see, when people don't understand things, they always perceive them as risk. Oh, that's risky. Yep, that means you don't understand it. It's not, but you don't understand it. And you might say that about anything. And the irony is that when you look at uh, the the world of investing, maybe a lot of things other than what everybody else is doing is risky to you because you don't even understand what everybody else is doing. You're just doing it because everybody else is doing it. So let's first begin with this. What what determines a good investment from a not so good investment? In other words, which direction might you go with your money? And this presupposes that you actually have any money to do this with. And for a lot of people, uh, that that all by itself is the is the challenge. In fact, that we could spend weeks talking about that because it really is the issue. People want more life. They don't make enough money to begin with, frankly. Uh, that's that's a problem all by itself. Uh, many times people come to me and they want me to help them. And my answer to them is you need to make more money. And nobody wants to hear that. But I am clearly conscious of what it takes just to have a reasonable life in America today. And the average income does not support a reasonable life in in the United States. And that's around the world. I don't even know why I'm saying in the United States. It's just universal. So you have to determine that you're going to make more money and then you can't reward yourself by spending all that money. That's the challenge because when you make more money, you want to prove to everybody that you are making more money. And I really do mean that sincerely by driving a nicer car, living in a nicer house, sending your kids to better schools, uh, taking better vacations, getting a snowmobile, a boat, a, a, a lake home. And you might say, well, isn't that what everybody does? Yeah, it is. That's why so few people ever achieve anything really meaningful in terms of net worth. And by the way, that doesn't mean a million or $2 million in a 401k because that, in my mind, is not a lot of money. I know to, to most of you, you say that's absurd and you're an arrogant SOB for even saying that. But it's the truth. It really isn't that much. I'm talking about substantial success and wealth. And so if you want that, or if you have a, a, a desire for it, or you just want to know how that's possible, keep listening. Um, so the types of investments that you might have available to you fit into four buckets and most everything else that you'll hear about is pretty much a variation on these themes. And the first one is, uh, paper investments. And that is equities in businesses, buying equity within a business, which is stock purchase. Uh, it might be in highly diversified uh, stock purchases like mutual funds, like index funds, like ETFs that are, you know, different types of investments that are created for different purposes for different people. Uh, but that just means diversification within within buying stock. And then, of course, there's bonds. And then, of course, there's annuities. And, uh, you know, all these paper investments, which, frankly, you have absolutely no control over whatsoever, but that's what everybody does. And the reason that you diversify is that some of those investments, you have no idea what's going to do well and what is not, because the people on Wall Street who spend millions of dollars don't know. So if you believe you're going to buy some course on the internet or you're going to uh, ascribe to some class, and now you're going to become a day trader in your part-time and you're going to do better than the people on Wall Street. You're delusional in my mind. But, you know, you can do well for a while and then lose it all. But whatever. <clears throat> the reason you diversify is simple. You have no idea what's going to happen. Some things will do well. Some things will do not so well. And you will get an average rate of return over time. That's it. The problem with that 
<clears throat> might be that you could do better somewhere else. And then the difference between the two, not being more risky, by the way, um, is what we would call lost opportunity costs that you might have uh, gleaned if you had done something different. And so there is definitely that with paper investments. But if you're in that world, then you're looking to try to get the best return on investment on average while still hedging against risk. And usually that means that you've got a percentage of your actively managed investments, the traded investments, the equity investments as one portion of your overall money, that being your portfolio. And another portion of your money might be in high grade bonds or a bond portfolio. And maybe you've got a 60-40 split, a 70-30 split, or an 80-20 if you're really, really aggressive. And uh, that's paper investments. And what should you, as an overall expectation, and this is important, expectation is important because people think that they can keep chasing uh, better and better returns when in fact not they nor their advisors have any control whatever over that. And if you think that your advisors are sitting behind screens trading stocks all day, your money to help you do better, again, I'll say you're delusional. That's not what they do. Uh, but the realistic expectation over time should be a compounded rate of return of six to eight percent. And for some of you, six to eight percent will be much better than you do. Uh, because the reality is that over the last 50 and 100 years, the average investor in an overall portfolio that usually is diversified through stocks and bonds in the way that I just described in multiple companies is really only about 6%. As a matter of fact, it's slightly less than 6%. And you might have 10 or 12% or 8 or 6 or whatever in your active investments this year. And then you might do less in your bonds. And remember, at any given time, bonds might be doing better than stocks. And so, over a period of time, you might do better. But remember, you have a a ratio of how much you have in one category or the other, uncorrelated investment assets. And that's going to give you an average blended rate of return. That's what you're going to get. So there's that. The next type of investment that you might choose to do would be to invest in a business of your own, to start and invest that money into a business of your own, or maybe you do a little of each. And uh, that business of your own and its upside potential for you might be looked upon as how much money you can earn. You need to understand something. If you're involved in in a business of your own, the income that you make is not the number that you look at for reinvesting. The work that you do might be rewarded in any other category, meaning you could take out a part-time job and do that anywhere. But remember, you're doing a job. You want to look at the income that the business makes regardless or not related to your income, but the money that's made above and beyond your income. And of course, small business owners never look at things that way. But I can tell you that I value companies and do valuations of businesses all the time. And the number of businesses that are out there that have a net net, meaning that if I replace the business owner and their income with someone else, so if I were to buy that business and I were to replace them with whatever it takes in the marketplace to pay someone to do what they do, and yes, I'm not going to get the same level because the business owner is amazing, but let's just say I want to replace them with 80%, somebody who's 80% of what they are, maybe doesn't care quite as much, uh, what's that going to cost? And then what's left over? 
after that. Well, relatable to the amount of money that I'm going to pay for that business versus, that's my investment, what I get as a net-net after replacing that person. If it exceeds 10%, that's a heck of a business, and it's rare. (laughs) And it's rare. Business owners will say they make 30 40%. Yeah, that's because they're looking at their financials without their income put in there. Uh, And oftentimes their income isn't their salary. It's their salary and all the money that they take to support their lifestyle throughout. And the reality is that that number is maybe uh, closer to what it would take to replace them than they want want to admit. So that's investing in your own business. Now, nothing wrong with starting a business and making more money and maybe in terms of leverage, you can make the most money by doing that as opposed to going to work on the weekends at Home Depot. So I'm not going to argue about that. That's that's great. But that's not the same thing as profits. When I'm looking at where's the best place to put my investment dollars, I am looking at the profit. And if I have money left over, where am I going to reinvest it? The best place to reinvest it is where I make the most money with the resources I have to work with. That is leverage. The next opportunity might be investing in someone else's business, somebody where I'm definitely not a participant to that business, but maybe like Shark Tank, I can make money by investing in somebody else's business. That's the third category. And the last one is real estate investing. Real estate investing, quite frankly, if you do it right, if you know what you're doing, there are very few things as a net-net money, all things considered afterwards, that will make the same amount of money as properly invest, uh, invested real estate dollars. There's very few things because the reality is when I look at real estate and I consider the major factors and those major factors are the cash flow that I receive, they are the balance pay down of the loan and they are the ever increasing uh, value of the property. When I consider all those three things together, and there's tax benefits that outweigh any retirement plan any day of the week. Remember that one. Uh, very tough to beat the returns that we get, which are typically 25% and higher and higher annually. And for some of you, I say that number and you say, that's absurd. That's because you're looking at real estate as being something to generate income, passive income. Yeah, I want to invest in real estate because I want to generate passive income. Okay, if you're not 65, 70 years old, I don't know why you're saying that because that's not what your goal should be. Your goal should be to build net worth, not to build passive income. But see, so many people hear other people talking and they all believe that's what they should be looking for. That's cash flow. Uh, yes, that is that way when you hear some people. And it's important to understand that when I throw out terms like cash on cash return and, and cap rate and uh, gross rate multiplier and all these different numbers. Ironically, you can go online and you can hear different people using those terms differently. And, and if you ask them to define the formulas, they'll be different depending on who you're talking to. So you really do have to know the formulas behind each one of them. But nevertheless, uh, you can make that kind of money. And if you can, uh, with tax benefits, then wow. It's hard to justify not being involved in real estate. And that's why more generational wealth is passed through real estate ownership than any other asset class that there is because of the, the, the enormous tax benefits and the ability to generate substantial net worth. It, you really can can succeed greatly. So these are some of the things you want to be conscious of. And when you say, hey, what's the best investment for me? Or, or better, hey, is this a good investment, Todd? Well, I don't know. What would you do instead? 
Well, I, 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 I put my money in the bank. Well, listen, folks, it doesn't take much to beat that. <laughs> um, so I guess anything is a good investment that's better than one and a half or two or three percent. So you've got to gauge that. And if that truly is the answer for that person, then truly the answer is what's a good investment, anything that's better than that, that gives them a degree of safety and doesn't keep them awake at night. So it doesn't, it doesn't ruffle your sensibilities. You feel comfortable with it and you, and you can handle it. So that, that is uh, a good investment from another one from your perspective or anyone else's. Now, what I might do otherwise might be different than yours. And maybe, maybe it takes more to beat my otherwise possibility. So that is how you look at things. And, and the important reason to, to, to say that is because even in real estate, when you're out trying to buy real estate where the numbers work, in my estimation, the challenge is you might be bidding against people whose objective is significantly less than yours is. And consequently, they'll bid more money to buy that real estate, washing out what you perceive as good profits, because now you're not making the money that you need to make as it relates to your alternative, but they are. Or maybe they just aren't smart enough to even know the numbers, which is a very strong possibility. So you have to be very conscious of where the line is that you're not going to cross and what your numbers actually are. We're going to be going through some of those numbers today. So in any event, when you consider those types of returns, uh, realize that literally anyone can become wealthy. So if you're sitting out there saying, hey, this doesn't relate to me. I'm just trying to pay my bills. I'm just trying to survive. Yeah, you don't understand that there's so many people who are looking for good investments who are too busy in their day jobs or their lives to actually do it. They want better returns and they would love to hitch their wagon to your team if you know how to find the properties, if you know how to manage the properties, if you know how to improve the properties relative to increasing the rents and the cash flow. If you understand these things, hey man, the world is your oyster and can it make you wealthy? And I mean, you know, 10, 20 million plus. And the answer is yes, it can. And I could give you story after story after story of people who've done it. So real estate is a very realistic thing that can be done for a lot of people, but you do have to understand what you're involved with. And so for a lot of people, that is going to be, you know, maybe a, a, the, a single family home. Maybe that's going to be a duplex. Maybe that's going to be a, a, a fourplex, a small apartment building. Maybe that's going to be commercial, office space, industrial, multifamily, retail. And then of course, there's, there's, uh, you know, hospitality and blah, 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 on and on. So, you know, what drives a person to one or the other? I don't know, but I will say this. You better understand everything that you're in. You better understand it because the best option for you is the one that you understand. Let's take a break. We'll come back talking about investing in real estate and doing it right. We'll be right back. Does your sump pump run constantly? Do you want to ensure that you never have a damp, musty-smelling basement? These issues are caused by water coming off your roof, draining into your basement. Gutters can resolve these problems. William Foss is the owner of Seamless Solutions. He is honest and trustworthy. He is simply the best. If you need gutters or leaf covers, he is the guy to call. You can call him at 612-834-0664 or go to his website, seamlesssolutionsmn.com. 
Com. If you or anyone you know are in a financially challenged situation, listen. My name is Todd Rooker. For over 20 years, I've been helping people strategically plan for and deal with a financial crisis. My typical client may have previously had a substantial net worth and are now in fear of losing their personal home. My clients will often say, in the past, I was financially successful. However, at this point, I'm exhausting all of my financial resources trying to make my payments on time. I feel as though I'm simply delaying the inevitable by throwing good money after bad. So my questions are, Todd, do I just let the bank liquidate my business? Do I need to consider things like foreclosure, short sale, Dean and Lou, loan modification, credit counseling, or even bankruptcy? And then most importantly, how do I minimize the damage and rebuild my life when this disaster is over? This is my world, and I teach classes on those very topics. So if you or anyone you know is in this situation or you want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. Are you missing anything in your plan? Find out with JLN Financial's Retirement Checklist. If you can check all the boxes on the list, you may be ready for retirement. If not, J. Allen Financial can help. Get this checklist now at rhythmofretirement.com slash checklist challenge. That's rhythmofretirement.com slash checklist challenge. J. Allen Financial offers insurance services. Investing involves risk. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, AEWM, and J. Allen Financial are not affiliated companies. Hey, are you considering something exceptional to set your home apart and highlight its curb appeal? How about the rich look of custom copper gutters? Copper gutters are not only beautiful, they also offer timeless durability. William Foss with Gutter Solutions installed my beautiful copper gutters. I get compliments every day. If you're looking for extraordinary craftsmanship and would like to consider something truly special, call him at 612-834-0664 or go to their website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Ask for Billy. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. We're back. Well, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking um i'm i'm frustrated by the number of people who are in the flipping business and do not understand the value of creating net worth 
And that net worth is assets minus liabilities equals. If you were to sell everything tomorrow and pay everything off, what's left for you? See, income will never be wealth. I know you've all heard me say this on the show over and over again, but see, that's what everybody thinks. Everybody thinks if I make a good income, then I'm wealthy and I'm successful. No, not by my standards and not by the standards of most people. And that's why when you look at accreditation, accredited investors, when you look at an accredited investor in their ability to qualify for investments that the average person doesn't have, these are people who are put in a higher category. Well, when you consider their net worth, you do not consider their house or their cars. Why? Because they're not assets. They're really not assets. They're liabilities. But to most people, if not for their 401k and the home equity they have, they'd have absolutely nothing. So I want you to think about this. If you were to buy a fourplex, and you were to remodel it, increase its value, and by doing the right things, you increase its rents relatively. And so now you've got a property that the numbers function, and let's assume that those numbers function in a way that allows that property to support itself wholly. And see, we're looking for properties where they do all that and still make money besides in the form of cash flow. So what I'm talking about is a, is a cut below what we're really looking for. And that's by, by saying this, I'm trying to be conservative. So if my market rents, uh, from the revenue that I receive when they pay me rent covers all of the expenses and all of the expenses is a very important point. That is obviously all the utilities, the property taxes, the insurance, but it's also the management. You're going to pay someone to manage your property. Most of you, if I say investment real estate, you're immediately thinking about managing a property and having to come and fix people's clogged drains or clogged toilets in the middle of the night. Look, it's an investment. If the numbers don't work with a management company managing it for you, then the numbers don't work at all, period. So you managing your own properties, you might do that, and that's fine, but most people who invest in real estate, if they had to manage their own properties, they wouldn't, they wouldn't invest in real estate at all because their time is way more valuable than that and they can't afford to do that. So you have to have management. You have to have maintenance because what's, what good is owning an asset that you don't compl- continually keep up in its value so it maintains its value mel- relative to the market. Deferred maintenance is a disaster. You go to sell the property, now you got to spend 150 grand just to bring it up to market. Crazy. So you have to be able to invest all along the way in terms of maintaining the asset, that being the real estate that you've purchased. And then, of course, the last thing is you're going to have to build vacancy in there into those numbers because you are going to have times where you don't have tenants in there and you have to allow for that in your numbers. If the numbers work and support all of those things, then... It's supporting itself, and the only money you actually put down might have been the 20 or 25% down. So now imagine this. You flip the property, you improve it, and you make 100 grand on the flip. Now you bought it at, at, at you know, 450, um, and you put 50 grand into it, and now it's worth 600. Great. Great. So, so you made a hundred thousand dollars on top of the money that you put into it. And now you're on to your next one. So I ask you something. Does this ensure that you're going to be in a strong financial position down the road? Does it? I mean, how many of those people are going to do that? Going to buy a, a, a new ski boat or whatever. And when they get down to retirement time, 70 years old, 
they're not going to have substantial net worth. But imagine this. Imagine if that property that you purchased, you do not sell. And imagine that that property has a loan, a commercial loan, of 25 years to be paid off. And in 25 years, you're age 40 right now or younger. And when 25 years has elapsed, that property that was worth $600,000 25 years ago is now worth at least $1.2 to $1.5 million. That's just based on very reasonable appreciation taking place over time. And if you're in a metropolitan or urban setting, you can almost bank on that. Now, there's no guarantees in life, but it's pretty sure that you could use something in the range urban or metropolitan, something in the range of a 3 to 5% uh, appreciation rate typically on average over time. And so imagine, let's use a 4% rate. That means that we're going to more than double our money or more than double the value of that property. Now, at the end of that 25 years, when you're 65, bought it at 40, that property is worth, let's just say $1.2 million. It's paid off. You, you don't have a loan on it anymore. And maybe you virtually run out of depreciation, but the building is now worth twice as much as you paid for it. Let's just say conservative and say $1.2 million. You take that money and you do a 1031 exchange and you buy the property across the street. And remember that if I buy a property and the numbers work with 20% down today, meaning that my market rent relative to my total expenses worked when I was 40, when I'm 65, chances are I could pull all the money out of that house short of 20%, pull 80% of the money out on a cash out refinance loan. I do a loan on it, pull out 80% and the numbers would work all over again 25 years later. But instead of doing that, I'm going to do a 1031 exchange. I'm going to take the money that I earned from this property, $1.2 million. I'm going to buy another one across the street. And ordinarily you might say, well, you're going to have to pay taxes on all that money that you made. Yeah, no, you won't. You do a 1031 exchange and you forego that challenge. You buy that property across the street. The next day after you deploy the $1.2 million, you take out a new loan and that's 80% of that number, 80% of that $1.2 million. And remember, this new property will work with 20% in. So you vet the property that you buy across the street as though you were buying it with with 20% down, even though you're going to put $1.2 million into it when you buy it. You buy that property across the street, you pull out 80% of the money, and the numbers work again, meaning that the property still works, doesn't cost you a dollar. That property keeps going up in value, regardless of whether it has a loan or not. And you now pull out a million dollars or close to it, and you can take and put that into a dividend-paying stock portfolio, or you could put that into an annuity or a bond fund. And that property keeps going up in value, whether you have a loan or not, and it does it all over again. Oh, my goodness. Tell me, just basically, that's as basic as I can get here. What competes with that? What in the world competes with that? And if not for doing that, would that person, that very same person, have at least $1.2 million in net worth down the road with the same money that they put into that house 25 years earlier? Would they? (laughs) I already know the answer. You should too. So that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about. So the different different types of of properties that or or a different investor rather that you're looking at is some people are looking for income and they're maybe in retirement 
So when you get to that point in your life, yeah, then it's a different game. Now you're not interested in gaining equity so much and building net worth. Now you just want income to live on. And that's what I just described a moment ago. And if we did it right, don't forget that that property with 20% down would also still have cash flow in addition to covering every single one of those expenses. Now when you hear PE firms who will refer to cash on cash, price earnings simply means that we've got billions of dollars sitting idle that's making no money and we need to put it into something that's safe that will guarantee a return and try and attempt to keep pace with inflation. That's why you have these multi-billion dollar uh, equity funds and investment funds that are buying single family homes, apartment buildings and assisted living and all the like. They're doing it with cash. They're not doing it with financing because they're looking at the cap rate, the capitalization rate. A cap rate simply means when I take the rent and I consider the amount that I spent for the property for the amount of money that I spent, it throws off a dividend. All of my expenses subtracted from the money that we receive in lease payments or rents now returns this amount of money without a mortgage because we paid for it with cash. What is that amount of money and what would I need to receive anywhere else in terms of a return on investment to receive the same level of dividend? Well, look, if the alternative for those people is one, two, three percent, well, then a cap rate of four percent that I would never be interested in, they think is good because it maintains uh, it stays constant with inflation related to real estate. It might actually be better than, than standard inflationary rates. It might be slightly worse, but it's pretty doggone safe because the other thing is if it's invested in the real estate, a capitalization rate does not take into account the property going up in value, which more than likely it's subjective. Can't guarantee it. Don't know how much, don't know how little, but it very likely might happen in addition to the dividend paid in from the from the price earnings standpoint. That's why they call it cash on cash. Now I call cash on cash all the ways that I make money, and I've already made that point. Cash flow, increasing equity increases, and balance pay down. But they're using cash. And they're only interested in the dividend that they get relative to what they would get somewhere else. And so their cash on cash and mine, mine are two different things. And which one you want to stand on, that's up to you. But you better know the formula behind each one so you truly know what people are talking about. So we're looking for properties that do that. Uh, there's a lot of different types of properties, as I've told you. And they all have their own issues their own you know uh detail and knowledge that is required and you could be in any area and become enormously successful in any area provided you take the time to learn that particular market that you're in so i made the point about you know uh different types of investment real estate uh you'll hear people say well a commercial property is a multi-unit with five doors or more well that only speaks to the depreciation and the differentiating between residential that you can depreciate over 27.5 years versus uh, commercial, which is 39. When you go to a bank, I don't care if it's a hundred units or if it's a duplex, they look at that as an investment property and the loans and the terms are different on that type of property. So two doors 
apparently isn't commercial, but go to a bank, they're not going to give you a standard residential home loan. They're going to give you an investor loan, and it's going to have different parameters, different amortization schedules. It's going to be a different interest rate, most likely. It might have a different lock. There's a lot of different terms and things you need to become aware of. But these things might sound complicated because you've not heard them before, but they're really not that complicated. And once you learn how to do this, it's pretty amazing what you can accomplish over a period of time. And remember, your goal should not be more and more income. And there's nothing wrong with making more and more income. Don't misunderstand, because more and more income gives me more and more money to invest. And when I want to invest in real estate, my limitations are I have to have money to put down, typically 20 to 25%, and I have to be able to qualify for the financing, or the property itself has to be able to qualify for the financing. So that means capacity. So those two things are always going to be your limitation. So earning more money is certainly not a bad thing unless, of course, you spend everything that you earn, which is pretty much what everybody does when I make the joke about you speak 401k. Because when you're an employee, hey, isn't that what everybody does? It's all about having more life. You could die tomorrow. Yeah. I I know you and all your friends and you're never going to accomplish anything meaningful. The fact that you live in a $3 million house and belong to two country clubs and your kids go to Harvard doesn't mean anything unless you have net worth to go along with it. And you'd be shocked at how many people who live a life of luxury but have virtually no net worth or very little. So I believe you focus on net worth. That's your primary goal. Not that income is insignificant or unimportant, but net worth should really be the measure of how you're doing financially. Let's take another break. We'll be right back. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. I have trusted attorney Brian Aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. Aho Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. 
Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at office.com. Again, that number, 612-271-4047. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the wow experience. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. All right. All right. So, so... A lot of times people, uh, you know, we, we talked about this thing about if it doesn't work with 20 or 25% down, then it doesn't work at all. See, but more often than, than I would like to admit, people are saying to me, hey, Todd, uh, I'm coming to you because I, I want you to tell me if I should rent my home out because I'm going to buy another house, but I want my, my own home that I live in to be my first rental. And I'm just going to qu- cut to the quick here and tell you that more often than not, I'm going to tell them it's a bad idea or that the numbers don't work. But see, here's the thing. What if the numbers compared to what they would do instead do work? And meaning that they take that same amount of equity and they would put it into their new home that they're going to live in. See, I consider equity in a home that you live in to be dead equity. See, and most of you, you think that's the best investment there is. Realistically, putting money into the home that you live in, paying it off early. It's not a good financial strategy. (laughs) Now that must be blasphemy, huh? Hearing that? Paying off your house is a security issue for you. It's not the best financial strategy. But to most people, the alternative is they just spend the money. So I can't argue with doing that is better than what they would do instead. But wake up, dum-dums. It's not a good investment overall. Uh, if I take and put that money into, leave that money in equity in the home, and it takes, because I've got so much equity in the home, let's say the house is worth $300,000, and I've got 50% of that loan paid off. My mortgage is $150,000, it's worth $300,000. Well, look, 20% of $300,000 is $60,000. You've got almost, you've got $90,000 of debt equity in that property. If it takes 50% equity for those numbers to work, meaning that the rents that will, that that property will generate and all things considered property management, vacancy, maintenance, all of the utilities, if you pay them or the tenant pays them, and that changes everything. Remember whether the tenant pays, whether the tenant shovels the driveway, all those things. When you consider that, it does change the numbers, but let's let's assume that to make the numbers work, you have to have 50% down. Well, then that's not a good investment property. Listen to what I just said. Then it's not a good investment property. I want a property where I can put 20 to 25% down and the numbers work. 
Well, where do you find that? Well, that's what people pay me for to come see me and talk to me and learn about that. But nevertheless, that's what we're looking for. So the reality is, if you say, yeah, but you know what? If I didn't do that, I just put it in my own house. And you know what? If I don't do that, then I'm going to have a bigger house payment and I'll have to work hard to pay that house payment. But if I, if I didn't have that bigger house payment, I'd probably just spend the money anyway and it never could never build my net worth anyway. So this is a better thing for me. I can't argue with that. But if you want to do better, then I would say do a cash out refi on that existing home, pull all out but 25% of that property, take the remaining equity money and use it for down payments for the other ones. But Todd, I can't do that because if I do that, then I'm upside down on that house and the rents won't allow me to make all the payments. You understand, that's why I don't think it's a good investment property. That's the point, see? So when I look at a property, I consider its cap rate. Capitalization rate, I've said again, assumes that you do not have a mortgage. And even though I will probably have financing on these properties, I look at it as a measuring tool to determine how much the property is worth. So imagine this. You have to pay more. If I have to pay more for a property, all things being equal, that means for the amount of money that I have in, because that's a greater number, the actual return on investment or cash flow is going to be less and that's the that's what determines the capitalization rate. So when you list a property and you're listing a single family home, average people couldn't care less about these numbers. They just want to live in this area, in this neighborhood, in this school district. They don't care. They just want a three bedroom, two bath, blah, blah, blah. They don't care. So they'll pay whatever they have to pay. And that's why real estate just keeps going up in value in residential housing. But the reality is, if I ask a real estate agent what determines price, they'll laughingly say, whatever you can get somebody to pay for it. And look, I'm not going to disagree with that. But if you ask me as an investor, what determines what I will pay for a property? Cap rate. So if I do the numbers and I look at the price point, the list price of that property, And when I look at what the market rents are, all of the expenses that are built in or that I believe that I will have, and it determines that that cap rate is a four, I'm going to lower that price, regardless of what it's listed for. I'm going to take that price and I'm going to lower that price till I get to at least a six to eight cap. And then I'm going to make an offer at that number. Cap rate determines the value. That's why if I increase the rent, improve the operations, meaning lower the cost of maintaining and managing that property while increasing the rent, it increases the cash flow, it increases the cap, and literally I can go to the bank and get a brand new loan of a much higher number because the cap rate in valuation determines how much it's worth. So when you're looking at a duplex, even though you might not consider it to be a commercial property per se as four doors or five doors or more, the reality is that's how you look at it. And if you pay more than that, then that's a premium price and you have to have more money locked into it and less money to go and buy another property with. Does that make sense? So cap rate determines price. Now, real estate agents, if you say this to them, they'll roll their eyes or they don't even know what you're talking about. And I'm going to tell you the reality is I'm not trying to beat up agents, but I'm going to tell you that line up a 100 residential real estate agents and ask them things like, tell me the formula for cap rate for gross rate multiplier for long term capital cost. And they'll look at you and they'll have no idea what you're talking about. Ninety nine out of 100 of them won't. Here's the other thing. 
Show me people who own 10 investment properties or less. You know, single family homes. Ask them the same question. They won't know either. (laughs) So it's shocking the lack of knowledge out there. And knowledge is power, isn't it? When you have knowledge, you can take advantage of others who do not have the same level of knowledge or understanding. That's why you want to learn this stuff. Let's take another break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Social Security, you've spent your entire working life paying into it, so don't you want to get the most out of it? Jim Baer and his team at J. Allen Financial can show you ways to do that with their free Social Security report. Download your copy today at rhythmofretirement.com slash social security. That's rhythmofretirement.com slash social security. J. Allen Financial offers insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, AEWM, and J. Allen Financial are not affiliated companies. J. Allen Financial is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or governmental agency. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. Pause for Paws is a fundraising organization that has one goal, to stop the suffering and needless deaths of cats and dogs. We provide rescue organizations money for emergency surgeries, vaccinations, food, and spay and neuter clinics. Is your company looking for a charity to support? You can support us by being a sponsor for our fall fundraiser on November 2nd. Help us save the lives of homeless dogs and cats. Adopt, foster, volunteer, donate. For more information, go to pauseforpawsmn.org. That's P-A-U-S-E, the number four, P-A-W-S-M-N.org. If you're in a financially challenged situation or want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. My name is Todd Rooker. When you want information on today's most pressing economic and financial pressures, who do you talk to? Their attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and real estate agents. Everyone has a different opinion, and these professionals do not always work well together. It's not enough to find an expert in one area. You need a comprehensive approach that addresses all of your concerns and enables you to create an overall plan. I have over 20 years' experience in this highly specialized field, and it is my job to work with all of the professionals previously mentioned and know much of what they know, allowing me to provide you with a cohesive and unbiased strategy that addresses everything related to your situation. I will help you to strategically plan for a financial crisis, minimize the damage, recover quickly, and most importantly, help ensure that you're never here again. You have a lot more options than you think, but don't waste time. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. That number again, 763-559-3800. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. So, if I've made the point that cap, cap rate, return on investment, is what often is being used as a barometer for pricing, then recognize that 
I want to buy at a high cap, buy at high cap. And, and another point to be made is agents will always want to sell you on opportunity. Hey, it's an opportunity zone. Hey, this property can be this, that, and the other thing. I don't buy opportunity. I make opportunity. I purchase a property based on its current financials. And if I go higher than that, then it's a negotiation of something in between. I'm not going to buy something, pay for something that I have to do. That makes no sense. But to an agent, remember, they're just trying to sell it for as much money as they can. You got to be smart enough to know that. So when I sell, I want to sell it at a low cap because a lower cap needs a higher price. When I buy, I want to buy at a high cap because for the money I spend, I want the best return on investment without having to do anything to the property. That's what I want to do. Now, with that said, an agent comes into my house, into my, into my office rather. And he says to me, yeah, I know, you know, a lot of people who are investors and and you work with a lot of people. I'm selling my, my investment property. It's a 10 cap. I look at him and I think either you're an idiot or you're lying. And he says, he says, no, no, that's, it's, it's a really great property. And I say, wow, that's fantastic. Do you have your numbers? He says, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's on his phone and he sends his numbers to me. I put them into my spreadsheet. And when I do, I realize that behind the numbers, he's managing his own property. I talk to him and realize that he has purposefully deferred maintenance for two years to make his numbers look even better. When, in fact, there's many things that he should have been spending money on. So it makes his numbers look much, much better. He has nothing built in for vacancy. He has very little money built in for management. His kid is mowing the lawn. And when I put the actual numbers of management, maintenance, vacancy, lawn care, snow removal, garbage, and everything else that he has to pay, it's a five cap. (laughs) Would you have been smart enough to know that? Ironically, most aren't. So, Cap rate determines value, has everything to do with what I'm willing to pay because I'm only here for one reason. I'm not here because I want to buy cute properties. I'm here because I want to make money. It's all about the numbers. I'm not interested in how you are a contractor or you're a, you're a handyman and you can do all these things in the house. I'm only interested in, in that if you can do these things and you can make your opportunities, and that's a really powerful thing, then for the money you spend, will you make more in rent for the dollars you put in as opposed to just making it nicer but not increasing the rents? Because I'm interested in how am I going to increase the rent. And when I look at a property as a one-to-one equation, it means if I buy a property for $300,000, I write down 300000 I remove the last two zeros and put parentheses around the remaining. That is $3,000. If I can't get monthly market rents of $3,000 a month, I'm probably not interested. That's a gross rate multiplier, by the way, if you want to know what that formula was. And so if I'm going to put ten grand into a property and I can't get at least least $100 more per month for the money that I've spent, the question becomes, why am I doing it? What if I can put $100,000 into a property and get $1,500 more per month? Now I've made the overall property even better when I consider the whole. That is a great strategy, but that's not how people look at it. They just want to make their mortgage payment or they want to do a VRBO so somebody else will buy them a property in Florida. Look, I'm talking about real estate investing. I'm talking about making money. I would much rather buy a property that works and and sell it and buy another property that I actually want down the road.
My goal is to have money. Then I can go see somebody like Jim Bear. I listen to his commercial. Jim's phenomenal at helping people create a consistent income stream for them to retire on. Imagine that your net worth is one, two, three million dollars in doing these things. So when you do go to see Jim Bear, you pull up that 80, 80, uh, 75, 80% out of your properties when you're 65 years old, you've got millions of dollars that you can give to Jim and he can create a nice, consistent income stream that when combined with your social security, you can live lavishly for the rest of your life. And I don't care if it lived to be 200 years old. That's what your goal is. Financial independence. So strong financially that you can do anything you want, anytime you want. You're not dependent upon the government. You're not dependent upon your job. Anyone. You've got the net worth to be able to say yes or no to anything. That is power and strength. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? So if you want to pursue these things, you have interest in doing this stuff, can I help you? Yes. Am I cheap? No. But let me tell you what, the leverage related to an investment in real estate is so powerful that it's almost beyond compare. And unless you own a unique business that actually generates better than 15%, your job should be all about buying more real estate. (laughs) Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. This has been a paid program. The views expressed were not necessarily those of the management or ownership of KSTPAM 1500 ESPN. You're listening to 1500 ESPN on KSTPAM 1500 and 94.5 HD2 Minneapolis St. Paul. This is SportsCenter. Hello there. I'm Mark Robbins. Talk 